Good evening. My name is Reed Griffin, and this is my wife of 16 years, Jenny Griffin. And we have two kids, a son named Grant, who will turn 11 tomorrow, and a daughter named Reese, who is eight years old. And I believe we may have a picture of our family to show you guys. Okay. Our marriage is God's story of forgiveness, trust, patience in the Lord, and most of all, his timing. I grew up in North Carolina with what would be considered an ideal family life. I attended church on a regular basis, and my minister was my next door neighbor. He was probably my first role model other than my own parents. I was active in the church, especially in the youth group, and was all in all a stand-up teenager that did not get into too much trouble. I think I drank once in high school, and my first drink was the last Zima ever sold. Both of my parents have been divorced twice. My mom, stepdad, older brother, and I moved from Pennsylvania to Virginia Beach when I was about five. I have no memories of my parents ever being together. We visited my dad holidays and in the summer. He was a good financial provider. My mom was a great role model, always very positive, a hard worker, and supportive. I never heard my parents speak badly of one another. I was a good kid and always stayed out of trouble, although I did not grow up in church. This was probably where my days as a peacemaker began. My brother seemed to always get in trouble, and I was the one who helped him cover it up. At an early age, I felt the need to harmonize with others, never one to cause strife, and this led me to be a people pleaser. A high school friend and I chose East Carolina University without ever visiting the college, mainly because it was only two and a half hours from Virginia Beach. I attended college at ECU also, where things changed rapidly in my life. I went from drinking one or two Zimas in high school to partying pretty hard. My role models became upper-class fraternity brothers, and with that, pride and cockiness crept in. I met Jenny my freshman year, her sophomore year, and I told, her, I told my roommate one day that I was going to marry Jenny, which in turn, he pretty much patted me on the head and said, sure you are, buddy. On Reed's 21st birthday, Reed and I went to a music festival. At that concert, Reed felt it necessary to tell me that I was going to be the mother of his children. (laughs) I just rolled my eyes and laughed it off with a yeah, right. All during college, we just remained pretty good friends with each of us having other relationships. I graduated and moved to Raleigh. Reed was going to grad school, so I did not see him for a year until his graduation party. We talked extensively that night, and I told her I was moving to Raleigh two upon graduation. I got her number, and a few weeks later, I had to go to a wedding in Charlotte, and I knew this was my opportunity. So I called her and asked her to the wedding. Reed called me and said, I have this wedding to go to, and I was looking for someone fun to go with. And I said, you mean someone like me? And he said, no, I was hoping you would set me up with somebody. (laughs) But he was just kidding. After a year of dating, we were engaged a year and then married on Reed's birthday in 2000. During the early life of our marriage, we attended the same denomination of church that Reed grew up in. We were definitely not active in church. We moved to Dallas in 2002 and still attended church on a sporadic basis. Most Sundays, I hoped Reed would say, let's not go. Sermons usually went over my head and in Bible studies, I certainly never shared anything, mostly out of embarrassment for not knowing the right answer. I believed in God or that there was a greater being and that heaven was more or less merit-based. And in most accounts, I was a pretty good person. Out of college, I worked as an accountant and I took a job with a client of mine moving us to Texas in 2002. 
The guys I worked for were young and rich. They quickly became my role models. I was very fortunate at that time to be doing really well and doing things most never get to do. Regularly flying on private planes and staying in the nicest of hotels to trips to Las Vegas, NBA games, or horse races across the country. All of these things were done without Jenny. Materialism was quickly becoming an idol of mine. In 2005, we moved to Charlotte and we had our first child, Grant. I adjusted well to being a stay-at-home mom and Grant quickly became my top priority. At this time, Reed's job became his top priority and anything dealing with the house was my responsibility. Although we rarely fought, we rarely talked deeply either. I avoided conflict knowing that Reed was an escalator in conflict. I got pretty good at smoothing things over with him and others. I took another job and then we moved back to Dallas in in 2007 and had our daughter Reese at that time. Although my new job did not involve jet setting, materialism was still my idol and I started spending more time on the golf course than with my family. We once again were attending church, but with me usually seeing it only as the thing we did before brunch, which was the thing we did before I went and played golf. My view of church was that I was a good kid and my parents took me weekly so that that should be what my kids did regardless of what I did in church. We always said that Reed was the reason we got invited to parties and I was the reason we got invited back. (laughs) From the outside, we looked perfect. On the inside, we were broken and searching for something more. We were undivorced, essentially roommates. Reed took on more work and I continued to concentrate solely on the kids. At night when the kids were in bed, we would just watch TV and not have any substantial conversations. I grew apathetic to read and had no clue what it meant to be a godly wife. Our two kids were my top priority. At this point in our marriage, we were essentially two people who shared a bed, a a bathroom, and a mailbox. I was living by my wife and not living with my wife. Song of Solomon 2.15 says, Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards, while our vineyards are still in blossom. The foxes were in our vineyard and we were not doing anything about it. We continued to grow more distant. Jenny became more willing to let me do my own thing. And then the worst happened. I found affirmation and praise from another woman and we had an affair. At that time in my life, I had completely grown selfish. I was getting no respect from Jenny and was showing no love either. Quite quickly, I started to wonder if Jenny had ever loved me. Now with this newfound attention, I was misled by something that seemed quite irresistible. My thoughts turned to what media defined as love, and I misinterpreted passion and lust for that. See, I got in my head that if you marry the right person, you will expect to go on being in love forever. When I found out, we started attending marriage counseling. On our first visit, the counselor actually suggested we separate. I didn't want that, but unfortunately, that seed was planted in Reed's head, and Reed moved out. I was spinning, looking for ways to fix Reed as I thought I was the victim here. Through a friend, I found out about a man who did not counsel for a living, but had a gift of helping men work through conflict. My first prayer was answered as I knew this man's wife through our kids' preschool. Although just an acquaintance, I reached out to her and Reed was able to meet with her husband who led us to re-engage in Watermark. She prayed with me saying that God can work miracles and change hard hearts. I wasn't sure if I believed her. My second prayer answered was in talking to a friend who first showed me what it meant to be a godly wife. She told me, you need to be the light for Reed at the end of the tunnel when no one else will. I called her often and she always gave me wise counsel. 
From then on, I knew I couldn't turn my back on him when he needed me the most. Everything she told me went against what society would tell you to do. My biggest hangup was the guilt and knowing that I would have to live with it for the rest of my life. Wouldn't it be better if we just ended it so that I wouldn't have to feel that guilt anymore? Once again, it was all about me and not about anyone else. Jenny didn't force me to do anything. She just continued to point me in the direction of God. I met with the guy she just spoke about, and together we started coming to re-engage. Every time after leaving one of these events, I felt better, and I felt that we could make it. We actually started saying that, saying that Wednesday nights were so much better than Tuesday nights. Reed moved out twice. Some of the first things I learned in re-engage were our sin shows our brokenness, and our brokenness shows our need for God. I had my own issues to fix and loved the analogy of drawing the circle and fixing everything on the inside. I was half the problem, and most importantly, you can't survive a marriage in isolation. At this point, I started to meet with Candy, one of our re-engaged leaders, on a regular basis. She told me that I should live my life walking with Christ, and at that time, I didn't know what that meant. I was in a dark place for many more months living by myself with guilt and still involved in a relationship that was not healthy. Things were not right. I learned in isolation that isolation is a terrible place to be. Also at this point, family members began to find out and I was not treated kindly. After one of those conversations, I talked to Jenny and later that night she sent me a text. And in that text she said, and I quote, I just needed to tell you I believe in you and and the good in you. I cannot erase the pain that your family members may have caused you, but what I want you to know is that you are better than the way they make you feel about yourself. I do believe you are lost and are still trying to make sense of everything, but I will never give up on the person who I know you are and always have been. I love you. After being a peacemaker my whole life, I finally started to fight. I was fighting for my marriage and for my family. God was telling me to trust him and be patient. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, sorry. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I did trust him and knew I would be okay. I was not fighting for the marriage we had, but something neither of us had ever known. I soon figured out that I needed to make our home and reads in my relationship a safe place for him to be a place where he didn't feel condemnation but love, and in he, he could see a person that had hope, and this hope was that our marriage could work. This was not easy, and it's not what society calls someone who may feel wrong to do, but I did feel that this is what God called me to do. I had to show Reed love regardless of the hurt I felt, and then put my hope in God would do the rest. First Corinthians 13, set four through seven says, love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. For me at this point, my new role model was my re-engaged leader. Clark loved me, encouraged me to turn to the Bible. I did, and we started meeting weekly one-on-one. I was able to talk to him without judgment. As I started this process, the Holy Spirit convicted me with, 
which then caused much pain. But that was pain that I had to go through to get to where I needed to be. John 1.17 says that grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. My ways were only changed through God by using two very important tools through Jenny and others on me. Grace and truth. None of this could take place without the grace that Jenny had showed me. But grace alone was not the only thing I needed. I needed truth. Too much grace leads to, com- or to, leads to enabling and too much truth leads to condemnation. But when both take place harmoniously, hearts will change. In John 8, Jesus says to the woman caught in adultery, I do not condemn you, now leave your life of sin. This is exactly what Jenny was saying in her actions of being loving but firm. Jenny was essentially saying, you're a sinner. What you did was a sin. It was wrong, but I'm not going to condemn you. I'm extending you exactly what you don't deserve, grace. God was instructing me that although Reed had committed a sin, I would also be committing a sin by not trying to reconcile. For me to be too angry, unforgiving, and proud, which are all sins, would leave no hope for us and our family to live the life we now live. One thing Jenny has done that is hard to believe and is truly a testament to who God has made her into is that she's never used my sin to her advantage. She never once in disagreements made capital of my faults. For example, if maybe she backs into another car, she doesn't call me and say, Reed, I hit someone in the parking lot, but at least I didn't have an affair. (laughs) You know, you haven't done that in a while. (laughs) I'm due. (laughs) Our re-engage group was another gift from God. And since then, we have formed a community group with two of the couples from that group. Clark and Candy, our re-engage leaders, have and continue to help us more than they even know. During re-engage, our group supported us through this whole thing. Week to week, we were constantly facing new struggles, and their love and support blessed us with strength and perseverance. There were times when I didn't know if we would make it to the celebration night, but I trusted God and his timing. We would have never opened up to anyone and shared any troubles we may have had. Now we will share our story with anyone in hopes that God can use us to help someone else. We also share as a reminder of the many people who loved us and were there for us with nothing to gain for themselves. Since we finished Reengage four years ago, we have led four Reengage small groups. We find we are much more intentional with our own marriage when we are held accountable each week by our groups. Christ changes people from the inside out, and that is evident in Reed. He is the leader of our family, and he walks with the Holy Spirit, guiding him constantly. Philippians 1, 3 through 6 says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God has already written a beautiful story in our marriage, but he is not done yet. God is constantly working in both of us. We still face hardships and trials because the rest of our story isn't written yet. It takes a huge weight off my shoulders knowing that God is in control and not me. Please know that everything that turned our marriage around was nothing that either one of us did on our own. We both had to die to ourselves and let Christ live through us. We constantly fail with ourselves and with each other, but when this happens, the one at fault repents and the other extends grace. First Peter 3 says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Jenny did just this by showing an un- 
common amount of love during this whole season in our life. When the news broke, I knew that we were done. Why would she stay? Like she said, though, she kept fighting by showing love when I least expected it and never pressured me. She let God use her, re-engage, and others to help change us and for me to see what I had in her. It is kind of hard for someone not to repent when the gospel jumps out from the Bible into your life and you see your wife forgive you like he has forgiven you. Jenny has been the greatest gift of God's grace given to me outside of my own salvation. We thank you.